Hello, happy Sunday to everyone. Wonderful to be back here with everybody tonight. Hope everyone is doing well. We wanna thank you for tuning in with us tonight. Uh, we wanna welcome all of our faithful listeners back and also a special welcome to any first time listeners. Thank you for joining us. We wanna invite you to find out more about, about us at newarkupc.info. Um, there's more there about our digital campus and what we're doing, you know, small groups and uh, how to join one, how to submit prayer requests, how to, how to find out what our kids and youth are doing and many more things. So we welcome you to check us out at newarkupc.info. I know that all of our faithful listeners have that memorized. It probably feels like we wear it like this, you know. Oh, every every week on our heads, like, yeah, we've seen that. We've heard that before, but uh, it's a good place to check things out. And even for our, our uh, church family to keep updated on things at newarkupc.info. Also, um, I do have one announcement tonight that this Friday, our Friday night with friends, um, we will not be having a Friday night with friends. So there's no... 7 p.m. broadcast this Friday. So I wanted to get that announcement uh, in our ears as we begin uh, a new week of broadcasts. Thank you. Joyce put up uh, the date for us on June 18th, this Friday. No Friday night with friends. So our topic for the week, I am gonna touch on it in uh, my message tonight, but I'm gonna leave it up to our teachers and their lessons this week to really tease it out. Uh, however, I am going to uh, use the word and concept of the week in my message tonight. And our topic this week is about change. It's about healthy change. It's about change that is good. Um, and so uh, tonight I wanna establish this one little sentence that change is good when it's in Christ. And so here I go, starting off with our topic tonight, change. It didn't feel like changing the topic, but um, no, only me, no, only me, all right. So change, that's a good topic for us as Christians. And so I wanna pray, I forgot. I wanted to pray before we get in tonight. I'm sorry, that seems a little abrupt, but would you join me and just ask the Lord to bless our evening together and this week? Lord, we're just thankful for your mercy and your goodness and your love for each of us tonight, those who are listening, Lord, those who have faithfully tuned in, those who are near to us, God. May they know new to us, Lord. May they know your love for them this evening. God, would you bless us as we dive into your word tonight? It's always so rich. It always ministers. It's alive and we're thankful, Lord, that it can touch our lives, Lord, um, every day and whenever we turn to your word and seek you. God, help us to uh, listen in this topic tonight of change. Change can be hard. Change can uh, be messy. Change can be scary. But Lord, I, I, I hope we can hear tonight that change is always good when it's in Christ. Thank you 
uh, Lord, for your spirit and help me, Lord, to get across the message you have for each of us this evening. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Thank you. I personally like starting uh, with prayer helps me. And so I'm sure it helps some of us just focus in. All right, change. I've already said it a few times by now, but when you hear the word change, how does that word hit you? Like, you know, how I say the word change, how does it make you feel? Change has always been a word that's packed with excitement for me. I think of newness. I think of adventure. I think of the unknown. I think of possibilities. Um, I think that change is good, uh, or at least I, I believe that it can be good. Um, it's, so it's a word that has positive associations for me. But I know that this word doesn't have that effect on everybody. Um, change can incite a sense of dread or worry for some of us. Um, and often change requires something of us. I would say change always requires something of us. And that can make it seem and feel very hard and difficult. Uh, it can make change feel scary. And so I think change can be both in all of these things. It can be scary and hard, but it can still be good. And it can bring, change brings uncertainty and the unknown, and that can be worrisome, but it can be exciting at the same time. So what does the Bible have to say about change? Well, you know, honestly, to answer that, we would have to comb through the entire thing. From cover to cover, the Bible is all about change. It's been that way since the very, very beginning, if we really think about that. And Ecclesiastes tells us that to everything, there is a season. We know that's a famous song. If you don't know that was from the scriptures, that's, that's from the Bible. To everything, turn, 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 there is a season. So change is a part of life. It's a given. And there's very, very few guarantees in life. But one thing that's guaranteed is that life will bring change. And so if change is a part of life, then we want change to be something that's good for us. Again, this week we'll hear about healthy changes throughout our broadcast this week. We want change to be good. We want change to be healthy. And it should be. Um, so the Bible's not only a book about change, but it's a book about what healthy change looks like and what healthy change means. And the Bible's a, a book about change when God is involved. And when God is involved, my point tonight is change is always good. Second Corinthians 5 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now, I just read that verse aloud to you, out loud to you, and you see it on your screen. And I'm wondering, when you heard me read that verse, how did, how did it strike you? This verse is obviously about change. 
It's talking about something old and in the past and looking forward to something that is new and in the future. And this verse sets the expectation that what kind of things are to come, good or bad. This verse definitely has a positive and upward, you know, an uplifting um, feel to it. Behold, new things have come, it says, when you are a new creature in Christ. So this verse promises that this change in Christ has promises good things to come, both in this life and in the next. So, again, tonight is about change is good when it's in Christ. And I want to establish this truth firmly through simply reading a story in Scripture. It's the story of the woman at the well or the Samaritan woman, as you might hear me refer to her tonight. And it's her encounter with Jesus that we find recorded in the Gospel of John chapter 4. So I'm going to read a large chunk. It'll show up on your screen because I simply want us to listen to this story. It's story time tonight. Listen to this story and through listen to it or read it through the lens of change. And after I read it, I want to draw out a few truths about change from her story. So go with me there. John chapter 4, verse 1. We're going to be reading through verse 30 at this point. It says, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat warily beside the well at noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. 
and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. Oh, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't, you don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim, where our ancestors worshiped? Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship. Well, we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed, it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way, for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then, his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Now I wanna jump down to verse 39. It says, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay near their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. So I've already mentioned that the whole entire Bible, cover to cover, is about change. And that change in Christ is good for us. And John chapter four that we just read has that truth just splattered all over it. And so I wanna get to a few things tonight as much as we can. This isn't exhaustive because this story is rich, uh, but um, I wanna spend the rest of our time tonight focusing on what we can learn about change from Jesus's interaction with the woman at the well. I've already heard this a couple times tonight. First of all, change is good. What Jesus had for this woman was good for her. Eternal life that he offered, the value that he gave to her as an outcast of her society. Um, and I'm not gonna go into all of what that meant, but we know she was an outcast. 
uh, and when she was by herself at this well of water in the middle of the day, gathering uh, water. And um, in her conversation with Jesus saying, oh, if I have the water that you speak of, I won't ever have to come back to this well. An indication that it's if she had to give that up, she would. It's not necessarily uh, something that she enjoyed or valued in her life as an outcast. Um, there's this song that plays on the Christian radio that says, give me your eyes so I can see people like you do, talking about how God sees people. He sees each of our hearts. He saw the heart of this woman and he saw value in her, even when her townspeople and her society didn't, even when she probably didn't see much value in herself. And so God is the one who defines what is good. And we tend to edit and redefine that a lot. Amen. <laughs> That's where the problem lies um, and why we have to come back to scripture and straighten out these definitions that we've edited for ourselves. So what we think is good for us or for somebody else is often not what God knows is good for us. And so it takes a little faith, it takes some trust to believe that what God knows is good for us really is what's good for us. Took a little convincing on the part of Jesus, because of course he does that perfectly, but took a little bit in this conversation with the woman at the well, that what he was offering to her, his uh, conversation with her, that it was good, that the change he was bringing to her life was a good thing for her. And so eventually she saw that what he had to offer was truly good was truly for her good, excuse me. Next point is that change is for everyone. In this story, change was for the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. Change was for his disciples. We'll get to that in just a minute. Change was even for the village people uh, who were mentioned at the end, that last clump of verses I read for a reason so we could get the idea of how this change that Jesus had for, for the woman at the well trickled to everyone around her that day. So Jesus changed the route we read in the beginning of this story. He changed his own route to encounter the Samaritan woman. He specifically wanted to speak to her that day in order to offer her this change for her good. And, you know, she didn't know this was coming. She probably never thought her day would look any different than it ever had before. And she probably expected that it would never change. Same routine, same loneliness, same outcast status, day after day after day. And Jesus's decision to change his route and then to reach out and speak to this woman as we read it didn't make sense to his disciples. In fact, Jesus said, just go away because you're, you're, you're a distraction and I'm going to do what I came here to do. 
and you don't have to like it. So you could just go away so you don't see it and you don't bother me. <laughs> and so uh, they're thrown off by Jesus's decision. Uh, and and they think, frankly, they think that, that Jesus shouldn't be uh, taking this route. It was through a... Um, you know, through the Samaritan territory and Jews and Samaritans had a long history of not getting along, uh, lots of anim animosity for hundreds of years between these two groups. And so the disciples didn't like any of what Jesus was doing, but that's the route that he needed to take that day as the scriptures said. And then we read towards the end of that story that the disciples come back from gathering some food and then they see that Jesus had spent his time speaking to the Samaritan woman. Like the entire time they were gone, he was like talking to her. Why? She didn't deserve that. He would, Jesus was clearly wasting his time in their opinion. And so, you know, again, changes for everyone. And in this story, the disciples had something they needed to change. All right. So this passage is often preached about how God exposed the Samaritan woman's sin in order to offer her eternal life. And he called her out of that sin of the you know stream of husbands she had had. And the one currently now she wasn't even a husband who she was living with. And we hear that preached a lot. That is a true part of the story. But the Samaritan woman's sin is not the only one whose sin was exposed that day by Jesus. Jesus's interaction uh, 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 with the disciples exposed their prejudices that they were holding against this woman and the people she represented. So both the woman and the disciples needed change that day. And the disciples didn't know that was coming either. So everyone, Jesus just, you know, sometimes he blindsides us with change, but Remember, change in Christ is for our good. So whether you see it coming or not, accept it. And not only that, the townspeople were also affected that day after she had her encounter with Jesus and shared that with her town. Um, they had their own encounter with Jesus. And so this is just a great example of the process of change. Which brings me to my next point, that change is a process. Go figure. Just as discipleship is a process. And it's a process that requires continual change. You know, some of us might think that we have no need to change anymore. I've done enough of that. I've, I've reached my mark, haven't I? What more do I need to change now? This might have been the attitude of the disciples at this point. And Jesus clearly showed them that they had something they had to work on that day. They had to work out that day was their prejudices against the Samaritans and that woman. Um, and Jesus challenges our thoughts in the same way as Christians who have walked. I'm talking to seasoned saints right now. I'm talking to people who have walked a little bit with Jesus on this, this journey called life. We need to realize change is a process and we're going to need to uh, allow for change in our lives, even as we are more familiar with scriptures, more familiar with 
with knowing and sensing and being able to identify the presence of God, that change is expected as Christians. So as, as Christians and as mature Christians, we can't believe that we've arrived just yet. Scriptures tell us that when we have arrived, it's when we meet Jesus face to face. So while we're still in this human form and this human body on this earth, we are going to be called to change. And that change is that continual process. And then some of us tonight might think that, that we can't experience change, not, not me, not us, because of something we did or some way that we think or because of who we are. And so we think, how could I change now? And I'm sure some of these thoughts were running through the Samaritan woman's head as well. But in Christ, we're all called to change into a life of change. And with God, whatever he's calling you to is possible because if he's calling you to it, then that means he's with you. Also, change is hard, my next point. It requires something from us. And we have to be willing to deal with whatever re God requires of us. For the woman, it was to deal with this sinful past. And the life she was living was not only sinful, but it had become comfortable to her. And change and comfort don't go well together, at least not for long. And that makes change kind of scary because change always requires leaving comfort. And we like comfort. Uh, you know, comfort isn't hard. Comfort's not scary. It's comfortable. So, yes, Jesus was calling her out of sin, but he was also bringing her out of this comfort zone and calling her into a new life that looked different than the life that she'd grown accustomed to. We can all grow accustomed to things anywhere in our walk with God. And those things become comfortable. And then change becomes something that we don't desire so much anymore. We don't want. We don't look for. So it's a red flag. So change may not always feel good, but it is for our good. You can tell I'm trying to drive that one home tonight. Change is also scary and messy. I, I'm sure I can hear an amen from across the screens that everyone's like, yes, an amen. Change is scary and messy. I don't really need to explain this one. I feel like we know from our own lives that cha change often feels that way. And it often is. But where's those signs, you know, stitched on pillows and, I don't know, on T-shirts and hats. It says, God bless this mess. God blesses our messes. But the reality that change is scary and messy doesn't negate the truth that it's good. For the Samaritan woman, he had to expose her sin. And that's a scary feeling because things like guilt and being vulnerable, that starts to hit us. And, and that experience can have a negative you know, impact on us. But Jesus doesn't leave us in that mess of emotions because he calls us out of sin 
into a place of forgiveness through his death, burial, and resurrection. And he bore the consequence of our sin so that we wouldn't have to. Amen. Jesus also challenges our ways of thinking. As we saw, he did that a few times through the story of the woman at the well. He challenged her about where worship can happen. Rather than worship only taking place where a certain ethnic group worshiped, which was that age-old battle between the Jews and the Samaritans, Jesus challenged her and said, worship happens when we worship God in spirit and in truth. So change is for our good, but it requires something of us too. It requires some work done on our end of things. Um, and, and hard things, we hear this said, hard things are often worth the work that we put into it. And so my point is, is that we know that change in Christ is for our good. I mean that on a personal and individual level, and I mean that on uh, for the whole body of Christ as well. So although it might feel hard to change and, and it requires some cooperation and work on our end, we know that the end result is a positive one in Christ. And that guarantee is just not guaranteed. It's not a given in hardly any other context in life, but in Christ, it's a guarantee that change is for our good. You know, I was thinking if, if we can rejoice together, if we can grieve and, and cry together, then let's just go ahead and be scared together. Why not? It always, it always seems a little bit more comforting when what you're feeling is experienced by others. You know, change being scary is a universal experience. We all feel that way from time to time. Not to say it's not also exciting or, you know, kind of that, you know, kind of thrill. Even if it's exciting to us, there's still that level of, huh, the unknown, the scariness. So, hey, let's be scared together. There is power in numbers. We will get through this together. I'm coming to some of my final points tonight. Change is necessary. The story here in John chapter 4 is essentially all of our story. The details, yeah, they differ from person to person, from life to life. But the woman at the well's experience is one that um, I would argue, uh, uh, you know, is one that all of us can experience. And that change is necessary. We saw it was necessary for the Samaritan woman. We saw it was necessary for his disciples who he taught and walked with. We saw it was necessary for anyone who would listen to the Samaritan woman when she went back to her town. Change is necessary in the Christian life. I would argue that the words Christian and change are almost interchangeable. As Christians, if we're unwilling to change, can we truly call ourselves Christians? In fact, isn't that desire for change? And for some of us, there was a desperation for change. Isn't that what brought us to Jesus in the first place? 
think back to what you Christ. Or for some of us, think about what it is that brings you back to Christ throughout life. Change is necessary for all. And Jesus wants us all to experience change. Change is what makes us Christians. Change is what Jesus invites us to experience in him for our good. A need for change is what brings us to him. Change is what makes us more like him. Change is what, is what keeps us Christian. It keeps our Christianity. Change is what gives us hope, the hope of heaven. Amen. Like the woman at the well, we have to shift our thoughts. We have to remember that change in Christ is for our good. Jesus promises to continually call us as Christians to change. And it's important for all of us to remind ourselves that although change is hard for our flesh, flesh our flesh doesn't like it, we know that, amen, that whatever he's calling us to, he is with you. And it's for our good. You're saying, Meg, you're saying that a lot tonight. Yeah, I want to get it across. It's for our good. A healthy change is a change in which God is involved. And change does change a lot of things, but it won't change God or his promises to us. I want to thank you for tuning in with us tonight and for your time tonight. If you wouldn't mind staying tuned, there's a little ad following the message. Don't forget, we'll see you uh, this week. Our next broadcast will be on Tuesday at 7 p.m. So thank you once again, everyone. Good night and God bless.